Hey, Joe. Hey, Robert. How are you? Doing fine. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> yeah. Doing well. I'm doing well. It seems yeah. like uh, it seems like a people were kind of stoked about this whole uh, this whole marketing becoming this new marketing again. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I was surprised. Yeah. I was, I was too. Know. I was too. I was uh, very surprised about the level of warmth. Uh, that we felt. I mean, it was a little overwhelming, actually, about the number of people who were like really stoked that we were back. It's kind of cool. Did, did you get the feels? I got, I got hashtag all you got, the feels. You got the feels. All <laughs> the feels. The, the warm and tinglies. That's right. That's yeah. right. Hashtag all the feels. All the feels. Well, yes. uh, what does it feel like to actually have a job again? But excuse me, yeah. uh, you got to speak a little bit louder. I can't hear in my right ear. I see. You can't hear over all of the uh, relaxation, the big giant book that's in your ear. Look, <laughs> do you want to do this thing or not? Yeah, let's roll. And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PR with this old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 213 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded Thursday, July 25th, 2019. And with me, as always, my co-host, my colleague, and the guy who's so handsome that the Face app doesn't work on him, that's Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah. I mean, it's it's wonderful. It's true. It's wonderful, but yeah, uh, yeah I don't... Have you done the face app? I've never thing? Have used you... the face app. No? I I don't know if you know this about me, Robert, but I have <laughs> been pushing away from my smartphone so much that I'm almost at the point of just getting a pager. Wow. I really I and I'm not even kidding. I mean, I don't use Facebook at all anymore. You I and barely all the drug open dealers. Twitter. Um yeah, it's uh the only thing I really want it for is texting. So I'm thinking I think a pager could probably get yourself a that. Blackberry. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're right. That would do it. I want one of the old school the ones old with school the black and white screen. That's right. I want no color. I want no color and no emojis. Get yourself a Palm Pilot. Do they still have those? <laughs> no, they do not. <laughs> but no, I could buy a retro one. You could. I? I mean, I could buy an old one. Get one and... You'd be a super hipster guy if you got like I the don't... old school, like really old school... Beth, remember the flip phones where you had to have the special technique with the numbers? Like you would go, you know, nine 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 was T, and then you know eight seven yes. five. You know what I mean? You had to te- you had to spell out text with the numbers. Uh yes, I've been looking at them at at stores trying to <laughs> right. figure out which one which one I want. Actually, I was thinking about the Palm Pilot. You know how big that was? I mean, I don't know if I could fit it in my pocket, and it's it was large. Oh, it was incredibly large. I, it, it was like fun, it was like putting an Apple II in your pocket. My, fun fact: one of my first jobs when I was in, uh, I got into digital marketing was to build a giant startup website um, for this uh, company in Los Angeles, big entertainment based company, and they gave me a budget of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to do the kickoff party. Um, okay. Which, you know, was, of course, dot-com money back then was, like, funny money. So it was 200. So instead of name tags for the everybody that was the board of directors were going to sit around this table and have the first board meeting for this startup company, instead of name placards that would sit in front of everybody, I had 
Palm Pilot 7s customized um, to have their names display and all of the meeting notes stored on the Palm Pilots. And that was oh, their that was their name tags. That's, that's got to be the greatest. I spent ever. like $15,000 on name tags. And worth every penny. <laughs> it was not. It was not worth. It was not worth every penny at all. It was a complete waste uh, of dough. But it was. Um, it was totally fun. So, uh, what was your reception like? I mean, we'll talk a little bit about it because it's been so nice getting warm emails and tweets from people that were thankfully glad that we came back on the air to do this whole marketing again. I mean, it's it was crazy. Better than crickets, or better than. Then you know, but don't waste your time, guys. Uh, yeah, the future has right. passed you by. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <It's>, right? <laughs> it's been wonderful. It's been wonderful to get all the tweets, the emails. I even got phone calls. I got you know, it was it was crazy reconnecting with. I mean, some of the old uh, you know memes were coming up in in the uh, in the hashtags and you know people. I it was just it was really great to sort of feel some of those old Easter eggs and f- fun stuff that I I had even forgotten about, and uh, it was great. It just it it, it sort of re- you know not that we needed reinforcing, but it was really reinforced this decision that we had to bring this thing back. Well, they better keep listening, or we're going to change yeah, their minds. Well, exactly. That's all. Well, I have on to that say. note, yeah. Well, on that note, <laughs> I had a couple of people ask about our subscriber numbers. Um, yeah. Just you know, sort of in the meta nature of all of the uh, you know all of the things that we talk about content, content marketing, and marketing, and all of that, and podcasting. So I know you've got some of the stats in front of you. I do. And we wanted to share some of that I, uh, fun stuff because, <laughs> interestingly enough, also good news. Yes, I mean we're we're open. We're an open book here at this old marketing, and we'll share everything and every and anything we can because uh, we're lonely people. But um, <laughs> all the lonely, we, yeah. People. So I use uh, we use Libsyn to uh, as a as our content management system, and we love it. We've been using it since the beginning in 2013. Now, while we were gone, they updated their statistics, so I don't have all of them. But the good news is we can go back before we took the show off the air. And at that time, we were averaging on a weekly basis about eight to ten thousand downloads a week, which ended up being around you know you can do the math around forty thousand monthly downloads. Yeah. Um, so that was our number. Uh, I mean, there were a couple. I remember a couple months in there where we hit over a hundred thousand when we got on a a great topic or whatever. But just to do apples to apples comparison. So let's take that eight to ten thousand a week download number. And last week we did right now. Uh, I guess last week is in the book, so this will be a number: ten thousand four hundred downloads. <laughs> so we're doing better. So we're doing <laughs> so a little bit better. It pays to leave, folks. It pays to go away for so a yeah, while. <laughs> actually, this is a great strategy. Just yeah. <laughs> stop producing content for a while and then make it a big deal that you came back. Right. Well, uh, I'll tell you this. I will tell you this. Like Picard or something. Yeah. Like, you well, know, you've heard me like say that. this before, um, which I used to, I still say in master classes and in client engagements and stuff. And I say, when you, you know, one of the things we recommend is doing a full, asking yourself, if I did a full stop of content, like I just stopped producing everything, who would miss it? And, um, you know, and this is not to brag, but, I, I you know, people missed it. I missed it. You missed it. I mean, so, but then I, I think, I just think those numbers are super cool. Because well, what's that, interesting, yeah, and, what, and what's interesting too is that 
our numbers, first of all, we talk most, we're sort of like a news show, right? We, we were sure. talking about up to date commentary on what was going on in the marketing industry. And when we went off the air, our numbers dropped on a weekly basis to about 2,000 downloads. And that basically stayed, you know, it's, there were some dips to 1,000. But basically, people, I don't know who, who just kept listening <laughs> over weird, the last two years. We, we basically just flatlined. <laughs> we didn't really go down. Yeah. We just sort of flatlined. And, and we were, I guess we were picking up. Because you got emails, too, and stuff, and said, oh, I love this old marketing. Can you talk about this? And I'd say, uh, you know, Robert doesn't want to do the show anymore, so I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so so nice. there you go. Yeah, but, there you uh, have but it. No, I have big news here. I didn't even mention it to you. Our uh-huh. great, you know, our, our, our comeback week last week led to us total, we are now over 2 million downloads. Wow. This old marketing. That's amazing. Which I'm first of all I want to apologize for wasting so much time <laughs> for other people out there. That's two no, million it's a hours. Big deal. That's two it's million big hours that have been spent on our Gosh. these two knuckleheads. That's a lot. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yes. and yeah. hundred and hundred and I don't know, I don't know, two thousand countries. <laughs> that's a lot of countries. A lot of, it's a that's lot a, of. That's more lot countries, of countries than exist, but that's it's still a lot. A lot of, that, yeah, lot of lot of countries. So USSR is a big listener. Oh yeah, we're big with the Soviets. We're big, big with the Soviets. But yeah, I mean, it's it's been it's cool to come back and do this. I'll be interested to see because now that there are so many more podcast listeners, yeah, that have just you know, and we'll talk a little bit about it in the show because there's a. There's a nice news article about the growth of audio, but it'll be interesting to see if if we just keep the wonderful, loyal audience we had or if we grow, and it'll be fun. And we'll continue to share it if people care about it at all. exactly. And if they don't, we'll share it anyways. Yeah, well, exactly. (laughs) We're having a good time. Yeah, there you go. All right, well, then let's get to our show, shall we, and get to the top of the show segment, which is one story from the news that really gets to the theme of the show and kind of tees up the rest of the news items that we'll talk about and snark about. Um, and we're going to start with this news item. Um, and uh, it comes from Forbes.com. Um, came out, uh, uh, looks like about a week or so ago. Um, and basically the headline is The Death of Influencer Marketing as We Knew It. Um, and it opens up by saying, on a July afternoon in 2016, an unforgettable moment happened in my, the author's, uh, and many others' lives. Uh, they realized that their Instagram newsfeed was no longer in chronological order. Shock of all shocks. Instagram had finally released algorithmic timelines on every user's feed. Um, and uh, this author believes that that moment will go down in the history books as the death of influencer marketing as we knew it. It goes on to explain about the difference and trying to redefine or define the difference between influencers and content makers. And the author goes on to talk about how that the influencer should be defined as one who influences, uh, not necessarily just makes content, because there's some difficulty in understanding how they're actually influencing in terms of making the content that they make. Um, I've got a quick take on this, um, uh, but I don't know if you if you uh, if you saw this and and, and what your thinking was. First of all, I did not see it. Uh, yeah. Thanks. So thank you for sending it to me. Yeah. Um, I want to hear your take on it. A couple things about this. The first first thing is, I don't agree with the statement that 
it was the death. First of all, the death. I can't. Do right. we? Can we stop it with the death of? Can we just, of anything? Can we? The Nothing death dies. Of the death of posts, right? Yeah. I think if yeah, I think if vinyl didn't die, which it did not, then nothing's <laughs> going right. to die. Right. All right, nothing is going to die. Um, <clears throat> that's not true. It's just that influencers, content creators, just had to think about engagement differently, and. What that means is that they just had to be really interesting posts, and they had to focus on consistency and when they delivered that content and things that we've been talking about forever so that the influencers' posts would show up regardless of you know the timeline going away. So I, first of all, uh, apologies to the author. I disagree. That had really no bearing. It's just you had to think about, oh, I actually have to publish good things consistently over time. And by the way, we've been doing that for you know, 200, 300 years, at least really good content marketing examples and publishers. The second thing was just a non-issue. I just thought this was interesting that this was a paid post from Forbes Agency Council, which I think uh, you you have to submit to join uh, as membership, but then right. they'll charge you to become a member. I believe if I'm incorrect and somebody tell me. Yeah. But from what I can tell, because I clicked on it. So it was a Paid, which is paid is not <laughs> right, bad. Right. No, it's not. It's a native advertising piece. It's, yeah, it's a totally, I, you know. totally native thing. Um, but, well, but what's your take? What's yeah, my take is 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 similar to yours, which is you know we we talk a lot about influencer marketing these days, and of course, what gets lost in all of that is what it is we're actually trying to do. Because as you said, this is not something that is new. You know the brand's use of someone who influences an audience has been around forever. What has, of course, happened with the advent of of, of social media and especially platforms like Instagram um, and you know and Facebook to a certain degree, and certainly LinkedIn and on the B two B side and Twitter and all of the rest of it, um, you know, sort of platforms, you know, which you speak to brilliantly in Content Inc., which is. Basically, individuals can now become content brands. Um, and it's much, you know, the democratization of basically being able to create your own media outlet as a personal brand has, you know, these, these platforms have, um, unconsciously or consciously, depending on your point of view, created this ability. So what it has done is basically created the micro influencer or a much deeper set of levels of influencer, um, that can affect a marketplace. Um, by by opening up the ability for us to engage with people who can reach particular segments of the market that we may not be able to with our brand. Um, you're seeing this happen with content brands. For example, I know that there are blogs out there. So if somebody, and, and, I'll, and I'll keep it confidential at this point, was pointing out to me they, they run a big uh, consumer packaged goods um, brand. A uh, good CPG brand that you would all recognize, and what they're what they've noticed is is that they've launched blogs and and magazines and all sorts of things that cover the space that they cover. That sort of you know as a thought leadership thing. What they've noticed is is that the blogs that sort of cover them plus their competition plus their you know a wider swath of their uh, of products like them, of course. Get much better search engine rankings and get much better, you know, engagement, et cetera, et cetera, because that's what people are really looking for, sort of those comparison ideas. They're looking for the influencer to help them make a choice. And so they're actually putting more they're actually putting more money into building content brands that actually feature their competitors than they are, 
actually themselves. And that's an interesting way of looking at influencers to say influencers themselves are becoming commoditized to the point where the brands are starting to imitate the influencers. Um, And there's all sorts of things going on under the surface here that really influence, forgive the pun, this idea of what influence marketing really is. And so I think when you start to see you know, people like the Kardashians or you see people like other celebrities that are going to perhaps lose some of that capability, that the, the quote unquote clout that they built up when Instagram does something like take away follower counts, um, which may happen on other social platforms. We don't know, et cetera, et cetera. Basically, not to put too fine a point on it, they're all building their houses on rented land. Mm-hmm. As those algorithms start to change, as those things start to change, it's up. It will be very interesting to see how those quote unquote small micro influencers are disrupted, especially the ones that are trying to make like a business out of it, right? That are that are that are that are truly not building owned media content brands, but relying on the social media channels to become influencers. And I think that's a short lived and quite frankly tenuous position for those people to be in. So. I would agree with the statement that at the influencer space as we know it today is probably on a short life cycle, but it's just going to be reinvented as something quite different. So it's not I, dead. It's just changing like everything. Yeah, else. it's just it's just changing. And, and I mean, yes, if you influencer is somebody that has influence over an audience. Right. And it just That's it. I did. Yeah, I, I did a. A wonderful presentation yesterday for a company called GIE Media, business to business company, uh, in headquartered in Cleveland, Ohio, and they're in uh, waste and pest control and cannabis and landscape, lawn and landscape, snow removal, a bunch of B two B industries. And I was talking to the group of editors there, and we were actually talking about how you know there's two kinds of influencers. Yes, yeah, should you build relationships with outside influencers because they have an audience you want access to and you want to, you know, obviously change the perceptions and persuade that audience in some way. Yes, you want to do that. But don't forget the fact that business to business publishing specifically has done a terrible job of growing influencers right. through their content creators, right. specifically their editors. Right. So that's where and we were we were going on and on about it about I mean, when I was at, you know, Pet Media in early two thousands, I remember being in editorial meetings where the editor wasn't allowed out on a sales call, wasn't allowed to market the content at all. They basically kept them in a cave and said, just create the content, but we don't want to let you out for anything. We don't want you to expose you to the rest of the world. And that was <laughs> what a missed opportunity that was. And so we were talking about the fact that, yes, you you have basically told them, I had a slide up, I said, embrace the celebrity that you are. You know this industry better than anyone else and people want to communicate with you. So if so go ahead and pick your channel whether it's Twitter or LinkedIn or and you know one of those two in the B2B case and embrace it and pick out a consistent delivery schedule and ask questions to your audience so that when you do and you build this engagement that when you actually do promote a piece of content that it gets you know, shared and retweeted and and loved and whatever the case is. And that's where I think the opportunity is, is this article is talking about the outside influencer. The huge opportunity that most brands and publishing companies don't take advantage of is looking at the content creation experts they have and saying, wow, 
what can we do to work with you on training and teaching and scheduling to figure out how you can become the celebrity? And yes, I know you might leave someday, so I have to take that chance. But boy, you can help build your asset and build more subscribers and whatnot if you do that. And I I would imagine most of the people listening to this podcast right now aren't doing that with the majority of their content creators. And so that's a huge opportunity. I think so, too. That's absolutely right. All right, let's move on, shall we? And let's move on to our next section, which is we have lots and lots to talk about here. Um, A couple of really interesting articles, but this segment of the show, of course, is where Joe and I pick a few things that has our attention, um, and it's related to everything we were just talking about here, content creation and influence and the changing nature of content platforms itself. Um, The first one we're going to sort of pair up. It's one that I found on my own and one that Joe found on his own, so yay, Um, and harkens back to some of our older shows where we were talking about content marketing exclusively. And so the two um, articles that we will obviously link in the show notes here, one comes from Adweek, uh, and the headline is Outdoor Voices, uh, the sports company, uh, debuts a content website and a magazine called The Recreationalist Platform, which has got city guides and profiles and all sorts of things that inspires people to stay active. And Joe found a more even bigger brand, um, Staples, of course, and this is coming to us from marketingdive.com. Um, the headline here is Staples, the sort of uh, big office supply brand, launches a new magazine as part of work-life brand refresh. They've completely refreshed the Staples brand around the idea of work, you know, the state of work and work-life, and have launched a a print and digital magazine um, with apparently a circulation of um, uh, 250,000 to to boot. Um, Why don't we start with you? Uh, Why don't we start with this idea of Staples first? So what's interesting, I found the article second, but I received this magazine a few weeks ago. So it's, it's, it's beautiful. And uh, congratulations to our friends at Imagination in Chicago, who were the uh, the content marketing agency behind this. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what parts that they did, but I'm assuming it was full turnkey. Yeah. Uh, so, in, in reading into the article, so so this work idea of work life, it's associated with a new mission of Staples. I love that whole thing. I do have a concern. We talked about this idea last week, and probably every other episode we've ever done. They actually call it a campaign, and the article on Marketing Dive calls it. A campaign, which I shudder a little bit. Uh, you, why would you launch a magazine program and do it only for a short period of time? So I, well, this is what I can't figure out. I love the initiative. I love what they're doing. They're really trying to position themselves as the expert in this idea of you know productivity and and uh, lifestyle issues and working your own business. And we were targeted, I think, for for being a small business. So that's why we received it. We were one of the ah, two hundred fifty thousand. Okay. Sure. So there you yeah. go. Yeah. Well, they they forgot that I don't do work anymore, but uh, <laughs> that wasn't listed in the database. But they're interesting. So they, what they're doing is they created a print magazine, a podcast, and an event. And the event they're partnering with Fast Company's content division. So they're really partnering with with content experts in these areas. Yep. I love the idea, but I'll say the same thing I said last week with the MailChimp thing is focus on doing one thing really well to start with. Don't launch it all at once because I'm, I get concerned 
that what will happen is in 9 to 12 months, they'll just move in a new direction with whatever new campaign or whatever new CMO comes to the table, and they'll stop doing this, and they won't make a commitment to building a loyal audience over time. And it, it takes you know 12 to 18 plus months to build a loyal audience. So that's my take on it. Again, love the initiative. Fantastic that they... You know, I don't know if the I would imagine the two hundred fifty thousand are are customers of theirs that they pulled out of their database. Um, I would love to know if they're doing an A B test. Maybe they held some back and they're looking at buying behavior. Yeah, uh, we won't know. But I mean, this is we're gonna. There's no shortage of these articles, Robert. It seems like everyone and their brother now are uh, are moving forward with this kind of activity. And the other thing I would say, cause I want to get your take on the recreationalist, but I do have to, I don't know if you caught this. They say in the second paragraph, I actually got the feels from this one. Yeah. It said the five-year-old company. So we're talking about outdoor voices. The five-year-old company is rolling out a content marketing platform. I know. I mean, and, and the, they actually that, said, yes, they, exactly. That was always branded content. Yes. That's the first time ad week that I've seen. It's, you know, kudos to Adweek is is what I want to say. And Anne-Marie Alcantara, Alcantara, the author of that one, yeah. So heads, hat tip to her for uh, for calling it what it is, content marketing. I don't, know if we're, I don't know if we're needed anymore, though, Robert. <laughs> well, the job is this, done. This is why we've widened our room <laughs> a little bit. This is why we've widened our horizons to try yes, and yes, bring yes. more well, love to the marketing practice okay. more generally. But um, before before we go on, because yeah. a lot of people are new listeners to this show. I've, yeah. I've really, we have something like three or four new listeners. Yeah. So for those wow. new listeners, you got to remember that for the last 20 years, it's outside of some other things, mostly the consumer publications like consumer marketing publications like Adweek and AdAge called what we talk as, of as content marketing, branded content. That's which right. Which is a whole different kind of thing. But, but what... Really, it is. It was content marketing. In this case, they're using the right term. So that's right. There you go. Well, Do you have a take on? Yeah, the, I'll, give the you, I'll, I'll give you a launch? couple of quick things. Um, it basically, here's uh, here's so on Staples. Absolutely love it. Um, here's what I I, I, I don't want to disagree with you per se, but here's what I like about them launching the multiple platforms at the same okay. time. They're connected. They're connected to one content brand. In other words, what I think the difference between that and MailChimp is, is that MailChimp's launching all these different things. Show, different um, shows, different Different shows, audiences, different yeah. audiences, different things, and they're not basically putting their bet. The way I read what they're doing at Staples is they're, they're rallying around this content brand called Staples Work Life, and they're basically creating a platform that contains a print magazine, a podcast, and an e-newsletter. And so for that, I, I think... To me, it's it's leveraging multiple versions of the same content out to a you know the the same audience, and so I I buy it a lot more. In other words, they've got the wherewithal and the money and the budget to be able to do that. Now, to yes. your point, hopefully they're putting the requisite investment into each of those things, um, and so that they're just looking at them as different avenues for reaching the same or excuse me, maybe different audiences with the same content. In other words, some people prefer to listen to it. Some people prefer to watch it in email. Some people prefer to go to a blog. Um, some may want all of that. And so this is just a way for them to diversify and create a bigger footprint with their, with their media outreach. So I, I like it for that reason that they're rallying they don't around cut, a singular right. thing, right? If they don't cut corners with it, 
they're basically instead of doing what most publishing startups <clears throat> would do is they would launch one that's say the online destination then they would launch the event platform then they would launch a print magazine or whatever yeah. three legs of the stools we've, we've yeah. always talked about they're saying okay we're going to skip that because we have the audience they're customers of ours 250,000 we're just going to go and invest in those three properties or three three initiatives as long as they do then you're right. Yeah. It could absolutely work. Di- much different from the MailChimp one, which we're launching multiple That's right. different kinds of podcasts and film programs and things that didn't really connect to each other. That's right. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. And then on the recreationalist, yeah, it's just, it's a beautiful site. I mean, I, you know, I just have a big, huge hat tip to them for just launching something that's just clearly wonderful. You know, it's, it reminds me very much of, you know, REI's programs with, um, you know, their, their journal and, and what they do and, and, you know, sort of the way that they approach content, but it's just, it's, it's, it's really a beautiful site. And so it's, you know, and it, and it's not salesy at all. There's, it is truly a lifestyle magazine with, you know, cutting edge interface, but simple to use, easy to navigate, great content. It's, It's just a, it's just a really well done piece, and I, I couldn't wish them more luck in in making it a huge success for their brand because it's oh. it's really cool. Oh, the one thing I I agree with you. The one thing I forgot about the Staples thing because if you don't have the magazine in front of you, you might not know. But they have uh, multiple advertisements from their partners in this, and, and they're it looks like what they've done is they've leaned on their there's HP in here. There's Keurig in here. There are different products you can get in the Staples store. Yeah. And that are probably some kind of consortium coming together to help pay for the initiative, which fantastic. Yeah. That they're doing that. But I just wanted people to know that there's six or seven, something, maybe more Microsoft's in here. So, and it's really makes perfect sense because they're all the products you can get at Staples. Yeah. So it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing and makes our hearts warm and we feel all the feels. Hashtag all the feels. That should be the title of this (laughs) episode. It's the feels episode. It's the feels episode. (laughs) Hashtag the feels. I did like the Genesis episode. Yeah. That was, that felt, felt right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, Next story is yours, um, and so I'll let you tee it up. But the uh, article comes to us um, again from Forbes, this time not paid, uh, or at least <laughs> not not appearing to be paid. Um, and it's about audiobooks. Um, U.S. audiobooks sale, uh, sales neared $1 billion, $1 billion um, in 2018, growing 25% year over year. The audiobook industry continues to boom, says the article. And according to fresh data from the Audio Publishers Association latest survey, U.S. publishers reported audiobook sales in 2018 that totaled $940 million, a revenue figure that has grown a full 24.5% year over year since 2017. Unit sales are even up more, rising 27% over 2017. Seventh year in a row that the audiobook industry has seen double-digit growth, making this just the last survey to confirm what we already know. Audiobooks are basically very popular, and audio consumption is way up. So what say you, Mr. Pulitzi, is... uh what, what, what do you have to say about this? Well, I keep seeing more and more of these audio voice-driven activities. Uh, this was just one of them. It was interesting. They, they say now that 50% of all Americans listen to one audiobook per month, which is pretty impressive. And then of those 55%, so basically half of those listen to podcasts. Um, but still, you got to keep in mind the 25% growth and the $1 billion in you know, total sales, it, the whole market's 25, 26 billion. 
Yeah. So it's still a very small number. We have a long, long way to go. And it reminded me, I saw this article and I told you a little bit about it. I saw, so, you know, Paul Reitzer did a fantastic job at the uh, Macon Marketing AI conference that was in Cleveland last week. And I, during the general session, Mitch Joel, good friend of both of ours, uh, spoke on the idea of voice and the future of voice. And I, I got to tell you, I got so motivated by the opportunity on the audio side. This is, of course, audiobooks, just one of them. But another example, and there were many that Mitch gave, but he was talking about the personal assist, the, the voice assistants, like your Alexa Echoes, your, your, your Google Homes and whatnot, and was saying how many of these devices are in homes. And I guess I don't have all the stats in front of you, but the one that I remember is, is that if you had one in four U.S. homes has a personal voice device like an Echo. And of those, if you have one in your home, you have at least three on average, two or three on average. So mm. you have multiple ones around That's the house, right. which makes perfect sense to me because you go in every room and you ask whatever. But then he was saying, okay, let's look at specifically he was breaking down Alexa. And he said, and, I, and I'll put these in the show notes as well because I don't think I sent them to you, but um, this is one from TechCrunch. From a few months ago, and it says more than 100 million Alexa devices have been sold. Okay, so we've got 100 million of them out there. And then at the same time, also from TechCrunch, it says the number of Alexa skills in the U.S. has more than doubled from about 26,000 to almost 60,000 skills. Now, what Mitch was talking about in his presentation, Mitch said 60,000 skills seems like a lot, right? But think about it. He said you have 100 what is it? What was the number? 100 million devices. Right. 100 million Alexa devices. And you have basically, think about it, you have 60,000 websites that are optimized for that device. He says, yeah, you can get other content on there, but think about it from when the web was just starting in the, you know, in the 90s. If you only had 60,000 websites available, you'd say, well, oh my God, what an opportunity. There's hardly any websites out there. And that's what he was saying was, is that, wow, what an opportunity as voice starts to take over with everything we do in B2B and B2C, because he had plenty of examples in both, and saying what an opportunity it is to think about a consistent content initiative, whatever it is that you're thinking about, whether it's podcasts, whether it's audiobooks, whether it's um, you know different things you can do. It's a, uh, a, you, you've probably seen the one of um, Gimlet makes of Chompers. Have you yeah. seen this one? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Where basically people brush their teeth, you know, the kids brush their teeth for two minutes and it's a story they listen to every night. It's right. two minutes long. It tells you when to move to the upper bottom teeth and all that. These are the types of things that are not only utilitarian, but I think essential to making these devices work and Alexa, de um, Amazon developers are desperate for really good content. So anyways, I'm just psyched up about the opportunity at voice. Of course, the audiobooks was just one, but I only don't want to want to get your take. Is it as big of an opportunity uh, as I think it is? Or, or what, what are you what are you seeing out there? Well, I, I think it is as big an opportunity as you say. I will tell you that nobody's paying attention. Um, to That's this. right, and and yes. so um, you know the, the and I'll get to this a little bit when I get to my rant, which is um, related to this. Um, but w right now, the idea that any marketing department um, in B two B or B two C or nonprofit can focus on something like this can actually focus on developing these things 
we they are so up to their eyeballs right now in other just getting the basic blocking and tackling of managing, creating, and optimizing content in their business that quite frankly it's uh, you know, something like this seems like science fiction for them, right? You know, if you go into the average business, and I mean average large business, and you say something like, hey, we want to talk to you about developing, you know, Alexa skills. They're like, you know, yeah, great. When when we finish our CMS implementation, we'll get, we'll get back to you yep. on that, right? And so that's the biggest challenge right now that I see is, is that, yeah, there are some interesting experiments going on, but, you know, it's it's one of those things where, there is an enormous opportunity, but I think what we've got to do is start simplifying some of the things that we're trying to do and reprioritizing around the interesting rather than the slick and cool. And, and yes. what I mean by that is, is that right now, businesses, because of so many things, are wrapped around the axle of personalization and targeted content and first-party data and all this stuff that is driving them up an implementation wall and quite frankly creating such a barrier to getting anything done that interesting cool stuff difficult to do or easy to do is often falling by the wayside because quite frankly they're just so wrapped around trying to get you know what you know the latest guru says is you know the hottest coolest thing and by guru i mean typically a tech guru and they're letting this tech drive their strategy. And, you know, and again, I'll get to this a little bit in my rant, but that's where I think the biggest challenge is, is that AI, VR, you know, um, virtual reality, augmented reality, voice, all these bots, you know, you know, all this stuff is really interesting, but not too many are paying attention. Yes. And the only thing, the only thing, I, and maybe maybe when you talk about something like Alexa skills or specific things for the Google iHome, I guess I'm one. I'm looking at the content gap. So here's a huge content gap, and whether or not, just look at where the way behavior is going. More and more of the things that human beings do are happening via talking out and vocalizing commands because we're not using our hands as much as we think about when you're in a car. Hopefully you're not looking at your phone and texting and people are doing terrible things like that. But you're going to start using your voice. And then the other thing is it's the only thing that you can multitask to. You're not yeah, going to watch a video, right? right? You're not going to you're not going to look at a print magazine. You're going to you can listen. And why things like Conan O'Brien's podcast and other ones like that have just taken off uh, because it's because behavior is going that direction. Yep. So I guess what I would say is when you're thinking about, okay, here's the here's our sweet spot, here's our content tilt, here here's what we're going to communicate differently, here's our marketing goal, here's what we're trying to accomplish. Okay, how how are we going to tell this story? I think more and more we're going to lean toward voice. I you know, uh, if if I were running a marketing organization right now, I would have all of my search experts looking at this space. I would have everybody in all of my SEO optimizers and content optimizers looking at this space because this will become the new SEO, the, you know, the new the, the new ability for us to rise to the top of 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 where you know we're going to compete with our competitors for placement um, in voice commands. That's so. I was talking with somebody at the conference about this, and we were actually saying, "Well, what year?" Is it sooner or this is way out there where you won't be typing in anything for search? It's already happening. Yeah. 
but more people will probably still type in for search than. than but, and I know mo- well, I know some people that that text via voice command only. They never click on anything. So it's interesting to see how fast that's going to go. And and now once that behavior happens, then look out because. That's that's the way people are going to want to communicate. That's it. But there's no concept. Once that happens, then look out. Look look out. Look out. There's no. But it just seems like such a huge opportunity that people are missing because there's just no content. Maybe you should. Maybe you should start a company. Oh jeez. No, don't tell my wife. He can't. It's not not going to happen. I promised her that I would take a break for a while. Yeah. So. Well, speaking. Do you, do you think of how long I had to I had to do to convince her that to talk with you? For I know. Every I, other week. Trust me. I trust me. I'm aware. <laughs> I'm yeah. well aware. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of moving quickly, um, we have a, once again a wonderful sponsor to speak to um, to actually. Um, talk about our future trends and what's going on. Robert. Yes. Did you know that Content Marketing World is returning for its ninth year? I have Ninth. heard that rumor. You've heard that. You I've might heard have heard the it rumor. a couple yes. weeks ago. I might have said that a couple weeks ago. Again, ninth year, Cleveland, Ohio, uh, September 3rd through 6th, if I'm not mistaken. Well, isn't it always? Uh, it's it's always. It's you can always, always been, you can always, you can always. It might not always be that well, way. Well, you know, here's the thing. But it has you been. Always know, you always know when content market, all you need to do is look up when HubSpot's inbound is, and pretty much you'll figure out. Oh, jeez, oh, you see can't what I did do there? that. You oh, can't see? do that. Oh. That's not nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's not nice. Yeah, so, but if you have a choice, yeah. you should go to Content Marketing World. Yeah. Uh, because there are going to be 4,000 marketers like you. Yeah. They're learning, growing, networking. Uh, around the idea of where marketing is going. And uh, what's amazing, what's fun to see what they're doing at Content Marketing World is the program has really evolved. And the of course, you've got Mindy Kaling, you've got Henry Rollins, big name speakers like Robert Rose will be on, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but basically four days of amazing education, <clears throat> workshops, success stories from brands you know and love to hidden gems that you just want to hear their story. Uh, you definitely have to check it out. Uh, and if you're going to go, why not save some money? So use code PNR, P as in Polizzi, N as in. And for some N. weird reason. <laughs> <laughs> R as in Rose, yeah. the number 19, PNR 19. And when you complete your registration, use that coupon code, save $100 off of the in-person package to, to be there. Uh, if you're going to go, you should get the all-access package because you get the workshop, you get the post-event workshop, you get the all-access um, videos of all and video and audio productions of all the speeches. So if you can't go to all of them because there's more than... 10, I don't know how many there are now, 10 to 12 simultaneous it's, ones, and how do you pick? Yeah, it's crazy. So, you, so basically what you do, you do two things. <clears throat> you bring more people from your organization so you can divide and conquer. And then the second thing is, for those ones you can't get to, you have the video access that you can watch them in your leisure. So It's amazing. want to see you there. Yeah, we, we, we're, uh, you and I are both going to be there. We're going to be there on uh, stage together. Um for all you agencies out there, I'm going to be teaching an agency workshop um, on content marketing strategy. So 
that'll be fun. I'm, I'm really, really tickled about that. That's going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, it's going to be a good week. It's going to be a good week. Are you getting the feels? I'm getting hashtag all the feels. All the feels. All the feels. All the feels. Maybe that should be the name of the title of the show. Hashtag all the feels. Anyways, September 3rd through 6th, 2019. We will see you there. All right, folks, it is now time for our last segment of the show, and it's your favorite. It is something that we have missed for doing for some time now, and it's, of course, our rants and raves section of the show where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that gives us hashtag all the feels or, quite frankly, something that makes us um, really annoyed and irritated with everything. Um, And so I went first last week, and so you're going first this week. Well, I have a rave. Yay! Robert, because I like it. I, I felt I was too negative last week. Really? And I wanted to be. I don't know. What did you think? I, I, was I, I not, it's hard was for I you too, to be negative. I was. I was really. I think I said "darn" or "shoot" during the episode, <laughs> and I was. I was very, very, very negative, Robert. Um, but I wanted to talk about something more positive, and I was doing some research for the editorial talk that I gave yesterday. Yeah, I was, of course, looking at one of my favorite companies, the New York Times. And did you know, Robert, that the New York Times recently hit an all-time high for their stock price? I. Uh, an all-time high? All-time high. That's Do you know this? I did not know that. I did not know yeah. you. I mean, but you are what the yeah. one who usually schools Actually, me. Actually, no, no. It's not an all... It, it's, it's close to an all-time high. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's close. It's really, really close. Um, not to the, the number that they had in, in 2001, but it's awfully close. So basically, just to give you some idea, in, yeah. the, the, in 2009, March of 2009, they were at $4 a share. And now they're thirty five dollars a share. Whew. So that so in ten years, you know, they've you know almost is that a, almost a thousand percent. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I no, mean, almost a thousand percent. So what I did was I went back in the last five years and I tried to think about what the turning point was, and the turning point was you know between two thousand fifteen two thousand seventeen, and you and I have talked about a lot of this about how they they got the Trump bump, right? They got the big bump in subscriptions yep. when when Donald Trump was elected president, but there had to be something more because that was a one-time thing. And well, the executive team <laughs> it depends on your point of view, I suppose, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I can't even comment. Yeah. The, uh let's just move on. Yeah. And uh and so the uh that that Thing was amazing that happened to the New York Times, and they got all this revenue and all these subscribers. But they needed something more to sustain the business model, and I, th- I think that we were on air when we were talking about the the New York Times going into the event business and doing all kinds of other things. But what was the the significant decision that they made was going hard and heavy into the e newsletter business. And at the time, if you go back just you know four years ago, they only had a couple e newsletters, and now I. I looked at this, so I'll put this in the show notes, but if you go to it, just go to New York Times, nytimes.com slash newsletters. I had no idea they have almost 100 newsletters, Robert. Wow, that's amazing. On 
Oh, it's on, but most of them are weeklies. They have them on wellness and real estate and arts and culture and different takes. And they're focusing on different parts of their audiences and delivering value. And I've seen a couple reports on the e-newsletters coming out. And some of these are 60% open rate or higher. Seems to be an average of like 40% open rate. But the amount of audience engagement and revenue, and they've just changed the entire makeup of the organization because they've, they have these audiences um, broken out into different groups now, and they've got all this information about them, and they can create different products and services and, and do whatever they want to do with them. But I just wanted to put this out there because I talked about it at length uh, in, the, um, in the session that I had yesterday about email <laughs> and how a lot of us forget about it because of our personal behavior. And we think, oh, well, I've got all the spam email. I, I don't want to open all this. I don't want to launch an email because nobody needs another email and all this stuff. But what we are seeing that if it is a good quality email and you're delivering amazing content on a consistent basis to a targeted audience, email is amazing. And you mentioned this at the uh, beginning of the show, if you're going to build your platform on rented land, let's say an Instagram or a Facebook or a YouTube, you have to move that up the subscriber hierarchy chain. And you and I talk about exactly. that in Killing Marketing. Exactly. And what is that? What is that that you get them to sign up for? Well, right now, it might change in six months, but right now, and it's been this way for, the, for a dozen years or more, it's an email newsletter. Deliver something of value to them on a consistent basis. And I just love what the New York Times is doing. It's almost like, uh, I mean, at this, at this point, email is sort of like old school MarTech, but it works really, really well. But you have to have that amazing newsletter. And that's what I, when I go out and I talk to, and you do the same thing when you talk to some of these brands, they're talking about doing a content audit, looking at, you know, editing content, creating new content. And I challenge them to look at their e-newsletter and say, do you really have a valuable e-newsletter? Is it really worth opening? And most times it's not. And of course, their open rate tells them that it's not because some of these open rates are below 5%. Pitiful. Don't even send them. So I would, if anybody listening to this, I would look at, if you have an e-newsletter, audit it. Is it truly valuable? Is it truly targeted? Do you have a content tilt? Are you really if you really send are you really sending something of value? Focus on those things. And then if you don't have one, is there an opportunity for one so that all these followers that you are landing on social media sites that you can actually have a one-on-one relationship with them without, you know, giving all that control up to other platforms. So just wanted to throw my hat out, rave this week to the New York Times and their e-newsletter initiative. The failing New York Times doing so well. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for checking me on that, though. I thought it was yeah. an all-time high, and now that you do, you do go back, they had that blip in you know the late 90s and the run-up to well, 2001. Didn't we all? Just was, didn't, yeah. <laughs> you know, didn't we all have that blip? Yeah. yeah. That's, what I was putting, that's what I was putting $250,000 into uh, Palm Pilot placards. So. Yeah. <laughs> Remember Excite and Lycos? And oh, yeah. Exactly. Theglobe.com. Mr. Jeeves. Ask Jeeves. <gasps> Ask Jeeves. <laughs> Remember Ask Jeeves? It's still a thing, though. Yeah. Isn't Ask Jeeves still a thing? I don't know. I don't think so. Um all right, well, just, this is good hopefully stuff. Jeeves doesn't well, it, listen. It, it 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 goes right into my rant. Uh, All right. I don't know if it's a rant. It's 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 just commentary, really. Um, 
So uh, you you know the Martech event, right? You know the yes. the conference, the Martech event. Great conference, wonderful wonderful folks there. Scott Brinker, of course, being sort of the 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 big voice of that of that brand and and everything. They wrote an article. Um, of course, we'll link it in the show notes, and they basically have added a tagline. And I know, look. At, at CMI, we do events and, you know, whenever, and when we launched the content tech event, we, we launched a blog post to sort of say, here's why, basically, here's why we're putting this tagline or here's why we're calling the event what we're calling it. And I know, I get it. I get that they're going to write a post about, you know, the MarTech event and they changed the tagline. They changed the tagline to MarTech is marketing. Which uh, it's cute. I I don't love it, but it's 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 fine. Okay, so they they launched a blog post to go along with this. This came out uh, looks like about a week ago or so, and and so they th- th- with this launch they sort of are making an argument here for why Martech is marketing, and the is sort of being the operative word in that, which is they they are making an argument about why the technology we have is the foundational element of marketing. And, you know, just to our earlier discussion, I have challenges with that. Um, and, and so I guess what I'm saying is, is that this isn't really a, I'm not, I'm not going to harp on their, their tagline or, you know, their, their raison d'etre or whatever they're, they're trying to, to support here. Cause that's perfectly theirs and fine. And, and I love all the things that they do. I guess my, commentary here is is that I would just want them I just want people to be a little cautious about this because the argument that's being made in this post and the sort of inherent argument that's being made with the idea that marketing is technology they actually say it as um, and and Brinker is the one they 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 quote here um, by saying basically strategy is important but execution is more important and and I'm and I, I just no. you know basically saying here's here's the exact quote to make sure I get it right strategy okay. alone isn't enough you've got to be able to execute on it right. and Martech has become integral to marketing execution and that's what Martech is marketing really gets at Martech isn't just the tools it's also the skills skills to wield them effectively and I don't at its at, at its heart there's nothing to object to really in yeah. that statement but. What I want to sort of implore marketers is, well, can we just try a little strategy first before we sort of say strategy alone isn't enough? Can can we just develop some strategy, a little bit of strategy first, and then sort of make choices around marketing technology that will help facilitate that? Because just to the discussion we were having five minutes ago, this idea of MarTech becoming the strategy, the technology be- sort of setting our priorities is preventing us from not only executing against the basic things, but it's also preventing us from, quite frankly, doing some of the more interesting experimentation we might do in search, voice, um, AI, you know, and those kinds of things, because we're tip, we're so keeping up with the Joneses. And, you know, this, this, article makes reference to it. This is something we, we actually did a research study on not too long ago. And we found that, you know, that, uh, uh Gartner has now found that for the, the last year was the first year ever that we actually spent more as a marketing department on technology than we do humans. So we now spend 30% of our budget on, on technology and we spend 29% of our budget on humans. And that's just not good. That's just not a good thing. Um, and so we need to be able to f- simplify and figure out our strategy first. And then, yes, 
executing and helping the tools um, around those things. And the headline here, that the one that really sort of set me off here was the headline that says, we develop strategy around our tools. And basically, I want us to set the strategy and then figure out what tools will support that. And so again, I don't want to harp too hard on this because I know why they're doing it. I know they're setting a tone for, and trying to, you know, basically say why MarTech, the event is important is you should come to it. But at the same time, I just want to really, I I just, I just feel like I want to implore people to sort of take a step back from MarTech, the sort of stack and figure out what strategy is most appropriate for us. And, well, yeah. yeah, the no, I totally agree with you. The Martech without strategy is just a bunch of tools. Yeah. Well, Meaning, meaningless tools. I wrote a, right? I wrote so, a, I wrote a post on this a couple of months ago where I basically said, you know, and and I actually used that metaphor specifically because I still have when I when I graduated college, my dad gave me uh, this huge box of tools and it had everything in it from a ratchet set to, you know, this electrical meter thing and sort of a different groups of screwdrivers and wrenches. I mean, it's a 82 piece tool set and it sits like with dust in, in the corner of my garage. Cause I don't know how to use half of that stuff. And quite frankly, don't ever have a need for it, but I have the tools, but I just don't ever have a need for it. You know, my, my, you know, <laughs> my philosophy on life is if, you know, if it can't be fixed with WD 40 or duct tape, it's broken by a new one. So <laughs> basically, <Amen>. you know, so, <laughs> you know, that I, I, the, the point, your point is a good one, which is, is, you know, without, without strategy, it's just a box of tools. Well, and, and even if you look at, marketing automation you and i have talked to a number of players that say that well over 90 percent of the features of the of their tools never are used. not used yeah, never used. ever used yeah um but there was the surge that we had to have marketing automation and and the way that you and i always talk about it is that the pain sh- nothing against any tools i have nothing against specifically any specific tools but you want the pain to be so bad of the way that you're doing it that then you'll say, oh, I, we have to have this tool, this marketing technology in order for us to breathe because you want to wait as long as possible. And what we saw so many, especially large brands do is that, oh, as soon as marketing automation came out, they had to get it. I'm working with a client right now. I'm working with a very large, you'd recognize the brand, huge enterprise level client that spent seven figures on an enterprise content management system. They are 18 months into their content management system implementation. The marketing team cannot, literally cannot even update the website because the technology group that's implementing the templates for the CMS haven't gotten around to that part of the website yet. So they literally cannot, without hand coding the HTML, get anything up on the website. And that's just, that, that is crazy making. And so it, it's, and by the way, it, you know, whose fault is that? I don't know. Is yeah. it the fault of the CMS? Is it the fault of the complexity of the technology? Is it the fault of the technology group that can't implement it? Is it the fault of the marketing people who didn't have a contingency plan ready for that? It doesn't matter. Business isn't getting done. Yeah. So the, the, the way we'd want to end is, is if somebody wants any insert anything i want to do a even if it's a print magazine or a blog or i want to buy this or that or whatever you just have to ask why Why? exactly and you have to push it yeah and sometimes the best answer is no like (laughs) no 
Yeah. No. 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 We're not going to do. No. And actually, you should practice this at home, especially anyone involved in content marketing. Is when somebody says, "Oh, can we do this? Can we can we add more uh, product promotions in our content?" No. No. We can't. Go go away. Leave me alone. I'm working on really great content here. <laughs> That's easy. Okay. That's easier said than done for for, I for somebody to like say you. It. I'm going to yeah. say it all for somebody like you. That's a lot easier said than done. Just uh, yeah. so just say it. No. No. Yeah. No. Just say just say just say hashtag all the feels. Just is say what no. you do. Yeah. Hey, so we're, say yes to that. What are you? Uh, what are you? What are you up to this week? Oh, you know, it's uh, right now we're getting ready for our 13th annual uh, Orange Effect Foundation Golf for Autism. It's oh. our biggest fundraiser. It's on Monday, August 5th at Elyria Country Club. We have two shotguns. Uh, this will be our biggest outing ever. We have wonderful supporters like yourself, Mr. Rose, that have helped us get this to where it is. And uh, we're basically getting all the signage together, working on the program. We've got amazing volunteers that are helping us. And um, then all the proceeds go to, to children who, who can't afford speech therapy and we provide grants to those kids so that they can have consistent speech therapy that's that's what that's what we are working on right now what are what are you working on i am working on i've been home for the last couple of weeks working on the uh rare local client which is um you know a a client in los angeles is is very rare so i haven't been traveling all that much but that changes next week as i travel to boston um and will be uh off um when this show airs i'll be on a plane um and on my winging my way to boston for another client engagement and then back home uh, for another week, um, and then my travelness goes absolutely crazy, and I, I really don't stop until the end of the year. So it'll be an interesting uh, couple of weeks here at home, and then getting ready for yeah, getting ready for a busy, busy, busy fall. Yeah. Um, and of course, content marketing world, getting ready for that. Yep, yeah, there you go, absolutely. So where where do people get in contact? Oh, with you? oh wow, um, that? that's just so nice. Yeah. So if if you're interested in any of that, um, of course, content strategy, content marketing, and all that, go to contentadvisory.net um, the .net or the dad genes of domains and so um, I am the dad <laughs> genes of all of that so it's contentadvisory.net where you can learn about all those things and sign up for our newsletter and all that how about you sir where can people learn uh, yeah I have uh, a bi-monthly newsletter that uh, some people seem to like and uh, I get to talk about whatever I want. Most of it's marketing related you can find that at joepolizzi p-u-l-i-z-z-i dot com slash newsletter and and sign up for that and we'd we'd love to have you absolutely and well that wraps it up folks we are signing off and if you like this episode episode number 213 um all all of you who are new all of you who have uh come back thank you very much that's uh, right. Subscribe or resubscribe. Get yourself a shiny new subscription to our little show here. Our aim, quite frankly, is we want to be the number one marketing podcast, not just content, marketing, business, full stop. And we need, of course, you to do that. Um, all your encouragement from the hundreds of you, and of course, that's no live, come up to us and said, we're so glad you're back. We missed the show. Well, Thank you. We are back. We are doing this consistently. For those of you who asked, like, if this is a tease and we're going to go away again, nope. We are. We have full plans to keep this thing going for a while. We're publishing twice a month now, just to make that clear. Basically, every other week with a special episode here and there as we go forward. 
And if you're so inclined, of course, the review on iTunes are always great to get that started again, even if you want to re-review the show or even if it's just to say, oh, geez, they're back. What a couple of knuckleheads. Um, if you're interested in hearing more from either Joe or I, of course, you've got Joe Polizzi's newsletter. You've got contentadvisory.net from me. And, of course, story ideas. Hashtag us up with this old marketing. Um, hashtag us up on social. We love the story ideas. We love the comments. We love the memes, all that stuff. Remember, everybody, it is your story to tell. I'll tell it well. We'll see you in a couple of weeks on This Old Marketing. 